Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Could open that window, please? Sorry, yeah, thanks. No, I'm fine. Yeah, we can keep going. It was Derek this time. I weren't expecting it to be him, to be honest, because um, not that he didn't deserve to get out. Well, he did. We all did, obviously. But he was still the security guard. Like, shouldn't he get out last? He never really tried guarding any of us, to be honest. I think it's because he was old and like way past his retirement age. But anyways, Derek went out the front way, the front entrance. I remember the doors opened and he looked back. Not us, though, but Carl. Like, like he wanted to say something. But he never did. We were way, way back by the pastries. A car wasn't going to risk us being anywhere near the drop-off in case the police tried something again. The sensors picked up the guy and the front doors opened. The guy had a big black duffel bag over his shoulder. He was a big dude, but it still looked heavy. He had his one hand free in the air. He knew the drill. Carl didn't even tell him to do that. He got to his knees and set it down. Then Carl told him to open it up. I heard him zip it open, but Kemi got in my way. You know, we were all just trying to get a look in. I mean, who the heck knows? What does that kind of money look like? Well, I tell you, it looks like money. Just a lot of it. The dude got up and put both hands in the air and started to back out. Slowly. I thought, flipping neck, boy, that was easy. I could tell Carl was thinking the same thing, too. Like, it was too easy. He wanted someone to inspect it. I don't know, check it wasn't booby-trapped or something. Too many movies? He picked Penny. Better her than me, man. If you're going to be the leader, be the leader in times like this as well, right? And she was up for it. When she reached the bag, she didn't mess around. She weren't treating this like no nuclear bomb, red wire, blue wire thing. Nah, 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 nah. She just shoved her hand in there and moved them around like she was staring a money soup or something. Then she took them out and turned back to all of us. Nothing. She was fine. Carl smiled. So, yeah, Carl was a happy bunny. I mean, he had his money. Now what? I was a bit, not annoyed, but disappointed maybe when I saw it because everything that happened was because of this stupid little bag. The hour had come. It was time to finally go home. So he led the guard first, which is fine. Elders first. I was fine with him leaving, but I was not happy with how he left. No goodbye. No, I I will see you all soon by God's grace. No, he just left like he was coming straight back or or like he was never here in the first place. But it's not his fault. That's how everybody is here. People don't talk to each other. They had a car waiting outside for him. I think that part was too much. You may as well have laid out a red carpet for him too. Unless, of course, it was all for sure. The car, the money. So this was probably a wise move. He told Penny to transfer the money from the bag into one of the lifetime bags, just in case the police had manipulated the money bag with a tracker. Now Derek was gone. The money had arrived. I thought, now this is it. It's over. We will all walk out of here now, now. Uh, He was feeling himself now, yeah? 
He'd taken this superhero persona to the max. He'd been down and now he was picking up. I swear, we were the same size before, but now Carl seemed taller. But it was those crowds, man. I mean, they weren't really showing them on the news blatantly trying to control the narrative, but they were there, we could see them. You know, they were mostly for Carl about sticking it to the man, the corporations and all of that. I, uh, I have to say one thing, and I don't know if the others have told you yet, but after he was done counting, he went to the toilet to think. He said, but, I mean, he left his gun. Yeah. He just left it on top of one of them little ice cream freezers. And we all saw it. Any of them who said they didn't are lying. We all saw it, but none of us touched it. Come on now. What do you want us to do? It's not our job. I'm not commenting on that. This is it. It's over. We will all walk out of here now, now. But first, Naomi's video. My son showed me. It's up on um, YouTube. It's very popular. If you search for Wilson's hostage, don't shoot. Almost a million views. I never expected it to get so much. I was just doing what he told me to do. Hello, my name is Naomi Rogers. I'm in year 11. I'm what? And I have a message for you. No guns. We're coming out. Please, just don't shoot. I repeat, do not shoot, please. We're coming out. It was mad coming out, like, after all of that. Everyone's, like, friends and moms and family was there. And it was really loud, you know, like, people shouting. And it was weird being outside after being inside for so long. Like, the air felt different, you know. It felt like, I don't know, it felt nice. <laughs> A couple of us held signs saying, don't shoot. And, um, and we all trooped out slowly with Carl behind. People pointing and calling out. Big black cars ready to take us to safety. And the sky it was very soft, purpley blue. There were plenty of people outside. The first thing I remember seeing was my husband, my son, my pastor and his wife. They were there waiting for me when I got out. I felt uh, overwhelmed. But not because of my family. It was the people I didn't know calling my name in the crowd. Old, young. Is that Kemi? Is that Kemi? 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 They all knew my name. And for once, I was not just Shagun's wife or Pastor Richard's assistant. I was not the crazy tambourine lady or I was Kemi. For a moment, I was just happy. But then everyone started pointing up and shouting. I tried to find my mum. I was shouting, Mom, Mom. There was hundreds of people there, sirens and everything. There was no way she was going to hear me. And then everyone started screaming. I looked up and saw him. He was standing on top of Wilson's, just in his pants. I look up. He's on the roof. He was kind of pacing about up there. and People were saying he was going to jump. How could he jump? It didn't make sense. No, I didn't know what he was doing. 
But he must have looked like he did, standing up there all confident. I mean, that's all that matters nowadays, isn't it? I mean, and it was weird. Even though he was only a few feet above us, it was like we were watching some TV drama play out in front of our faces. Yeah, that sounds basic, I know. But I just mean, it was, it was almost like our minds got tricked because we're so used to the drama rather than the person. I swear down, I thought they were going to shoot him when he pulled his gun out. To be honest, I don't know why they did them. It's probably because they didn't want to beam that image around the world. If this had gone down stateside, that's the only way people would have wanted this to end. Boom. Straight between the eyes. Yeah. I mean, thank God we ain't in America then. I asked them, the police, to let me go up there. I can talk to him and he will listen to me, but they will not allow me to pass for my own safety. Uh-uh. Am I not the one who just survived the siege or whatever they like to call it? I mean, maybe they didn't shoot him because he was way ahead of them. I mean, the moment he put it up against his own head, it took a new meaning. Whether Carl knew it was happening or not, he ran with it. He was going, this, this is how everyone should be acting every day. Because this is how we feel. This is how you've made us feel. We're always one pull of the trigger away. I mean, it sounded like he wrote it. Or maybe someone gave him the line, maybe the person he was on the phone to earlier. No, it wasn't me. Listen, I fired up my phone and started watching the newsfeed at the same time. And, you know, it was right there in front of me, the same picture I'm watching on the news. Now the news, they're doing that thing that they do with the snaky politicians when they grab quotes and run them as like a banner thing below their faces. That's what they were doing to Carl. And I, I was thinking, it's mad to see how quick the things that he was saying had just become so official. He was on the news with a gun to his head on top of a supermarket. You know, everything he was doing meant something now. And you could see the negotiator talking to him now, standing by himself, way away from the other police. They weren't broadcasting what he was saying, but we could hear it. They were the same old movie lines. Oh, you've got so much to live for. It's not too late. Calm down. Calm down, etc., etc. What what happened next? Well, you've seen it too. You know, Carl, he walks right up to the edge. Now, you see me? I didn't think he was going to jump. Penny did. But me? Nah, come on, man. After all of this, he wasn't going to go out like that. Now the negotiator asks him what he wants. More money. More money. And then Carl, Carl screams back. He goes, I've got a gun to my head. And you think what I need is more money. You're not listening. You never listen. And Naomi burst out crying. Kemi and Maggie were trying to calm her down because it looked like he was going to... I mean, yeah, well, we all saw it, right? It looked like we were going to lose him. <laughs> and that's when he did it. <laughs> that's when Carl it shows them the money. Like, their money. All 150,000 of it. You see, when he showed it, everyone went quiet. Almost like the car engines and helicopters went quiet too. Like money commands that much power or something. I mean, I guess it does, right? <laughs> but not to Carl, though. Yeah. He raises it above his head. And he throws the bag off the roof back at the negotiator and says, That's for Nadim's family. I don't have blood on my hands. 
you lot do for watching this circus. We're humans. So start treating us like it. What? This guy, man. With that one speech, he's gone down in history. Yeah, and the news banners start popping up and they've switched the whole narrative. Carl's justice for manager and also Carl cares. Carl cares, he sounds like a charity. You know what? And I'm sitting there watching and I'm thinking, flip's sake. Yeah, he's finally made his point. Now all he had left to do was his disappearing act. This flipping guy. But then his mother stepped forward. Carl's mother, she was there watching her son. I can't imagine how she was feeling. They gave her the megaphone and she started to beg him to calm down. Let me tell you something. He's not what you people, all of you listening, he's not what you think he is. You call him a murderer, a criminal, a terrorist, Spider-Man, crazy. All these things that you have called him on the internet and in your homes. But you are wrong. His name is Carl. And that is what you should call him. He was somebody's son, okay? There was this guy in front of me and I heard him say he hopes Carl falls. Then he got his phone out and started filming. I got angry. I wanted to say something. I wanted to be like, hey, put your phone away before I break it. And then the bomb happened. <laughs> I couldn't hear for a couple seconds. I started panicking. I thought I'd gone deaf or something. And I still couldn't find my mum. When my ears started working again, I heard Auntie Kemi calling me. I could hear her, but I couldn't see her because of all the smoke. And she held my hand and that's all I remember. I remember this loud sound and and this bright white light. It was so hard to breathe. I just remember holding my son. There was money raining down as if it were falling from heaven. Some people forgot all about Carl and started picking up the money from the floor. Even my husband. I told him to stop. Naomi was on her own with her hands covering her ears like this. Just grabbed her hand. Not a metaphorical bomb, the actual bomb, the actual explosion from the store cupboard where the cash point was. And everyone started screaming and the whole side of the building was just not there. And there were sirens and banknotes raining down, partly from Carl chucking money down and also from the cash point. And it was actually... It wasn't supposed to be that big. Rather, you know, like at the end of the film when everything's in slow-mo and the classical music starts and you start seeing people weeping and coming out into the light and being... It was meant to be a distraction method. Greeted by loved ones and... Well, no, actually, it it was nothing like that. For us to get out. It was just chaos. To distract police wearing masks with guns and photographers and weeping and blood and actual TV cameras and people's loved ones running about trying to find them, various, you know, husbands, various parents. Not mine, of course, not my husband, not my dad, but, you know, other people's. When I look back up... And Carl was gone. Carl was gone. He wasn't there. And that was it. He had vanished and nobody knows where he went. Do you know the meaning of his name? Carl. It means free man. 
And we were all brought to the police station in ambulances. They started with the blankets and the tea. More tea, as always, there's always tea. Ah, and a million questions. I haven't seen any of the others. Uh, I've heard the conspiracy theories, of course. Uh, and Carl, I heard he was dead. That's what it said online, didn't it? That's what they want us to think. But I hope he isn't. I just hope he's long gone and that he's got someone to talk to. Um, so I thought, you know, I might take a hostage in the car, uh, Naomi, that schoolgirl, um, maybe, and try and drive off across the border like, like Bonnie and Clyde or, or whatever. Uh, that ends up in a shootout, isn't it? Anyway, um, suddenly there's Cole up on the roof, up on top of the supermarket like a daft old sod, just wearing his pants and and the Spider-Man mask. Why? Well, I don't know. No one's quite sure. Especially not Cole by the looks of it, because, you know, he's shaking. You know, I can tell he is from the car park and he's, uh, and he's shouting out about people needing to be given a break and machines taking over the world. We all need help, he says. We all need some help and to look out for each other. And he's right. We do. We don't know what the police are going to do, but they're all looking at each other like, you know, they've got a plan. And then he's lobbing money down. He's emptying the bag and he's scattering all those notes, those £50 notes, down into the car park onto people's heads yelling that he doesn't want it and I'm thinking well I want it that's our money I could do with that especially now I mean the kid was unstable you know he was unreliable I mean even then if he'd just taken a bit more care of his rubbish he'd never have found me yeah because the money he was lobbing down it was supposed to be our money mine and Cole's Easy to discount the old bloke in the corner, of course. My wife made that mistake for 35 years. I've been invisible my whole life. And the last few years, I've made a living out of it. 9.23 an hour to be Mr Nobody, standing around being ignored. You know, when Cole asked me if I wanted in on it, the robbery, when he came to talk to me a few weeks before it all started... I guess I was flattered. Was that it? Yeah, no, I think I was. I was flattered. I've had a lot of time to do some thinking since, of course. Plenty of time in here. <laughs> and I guess he just needed an inside man to let him in. <laughs> yeah, he never told me he'd turn up dressed like a cartoon character. When he said a mask, I thought he meant a... Well, I don't, I don't know. A respectable one, like criminals wear. Not toddlers. But, anyway, I let him in as arranged and then went back to the shop and turned a blind eye and that was supposed to be my bit done. There was nothing special about me. You know, he didn't ask me because I was a criminal mastermind. He asked me because I'm invisible. But I felt sorry for him, I suppose. I've been out of work in my time and it doesn't get easier. 
So I get how it felt. I got how it felt. Plus, he said he'd give me 20%. I mean, the idea was he'd be in and out with the money. I'd just have to play dumb and that'd be the end of it. No time for the police to get involved and certainly no shooting. Nobody wanted that to happen. Especially not Carl. So once Carl was on the roof, stupid sod in his bloody pants with his with this mask on, still, shouting the odds and raining money down on the car park, it was like he was invincible. Seriously, he, he got his moment, I suppose. And then when the bomb went off, well, everyone was running around making a fuss and suddenly Carl was gone. I told him about it before, you see, that day when we had our meeting. It was supposed to be plan B, you know, just in case, in case he couldn't get out with the till money or, or someone tried to stop him at the door or something. No one wanted hostages, you know, we didn't plan a bloody siege. So I told him there was an escape route in case he needed one. <clears throat> it used to be a cinema, the building, and there's a hatch up onto the roof and a big flat bit where you can hang about where they used to put up the billboards. Yeah. So when the bomb went off, he was up there anyway, see? So it was easy. The house next door to the shop is on a terrace. And it's empty, they're having a, a loft conversion. Bedroom, probably. Everyone wants bedrooms. So Carl could get into the top window and into the attic. And then and all these attics, they're all joined, right? All along the street. It's like they never bothered finishing off the walls if they were out of sight back in those days. So he got into the first one, then ran all the way along inside to the end of the terrace. Now, everyone's really busy at our end, mucking around explosions and banknotes and cuts and bruises and crying and so forth. And the police swarm in the shop looking for where Carl might have gone. Well, someone even thought the meat freezer, you know. They'd said that online, apparently. Spent ages checking every inch of that. And by the time they realised he wasn't in the shop, he was away. Climbed down through the attic of old Mrs Evans' house on the other end of the street, mask off and away. I'd left her back door unlocked when I took her milk in the morning paper. Then three days later, that bloke, in the paper, he found the gun in his attic, of course. Went up there to hide his Christmas presents, they said. Then Mrs Evans noticed her coat was gone and the police found the mask behind the bins and that's when they called me back in. <laughs> Always bloody dressing up. Guess you have to go now. We'll be coming back. Right. Well, it's been nice to talk to you. So basically, we had all planned to help Carl escape, and that was what Auntie Kemi's prayer was about. And, you know, the bomb was a distraction, obviously, so he could get up on the roof and get away. And Penny was the one who moved the money into the bags for life in case it was a police trucker, and I... I made the video. Well, that's what it said. I can't remember exactly word for word, but that was basically the gist of it. And I was like, what? Like, this is dumb. It's not even a proper blog. Like, they're not even verified, you know what I mean? They're just, like, posting stuff to get more readers. <laughs> and then there's all these, like, oh, find Carl pages. And apparently he's been spotted in 22 countries so far. <laughs> what a joke. 
I read stuff about like me having Stockholm syndrome. That's where like you fall in love with your um, you know, I'm not <laughs> like obviously not. I swear, some people just say anything for fame and followers. That's why they even chat to you lot like journalists. Like, no offense to you, but or why did I? Or because you said everyone else was doing it, and I thought you know I didn't know the interviews were going to be separate, so. And we're getting paid for this, right? We're getting paid for this. It's all rumours, man. But have you found a better theory? I saw this fan film on YouTube of how he could have gotten away without anyone seeing him. It showed a secret compartment in between the roof and the re-entrance into the back room, kind of like above the ceiling, but below the roof, you know, that in-between bit. The video had this little avatar card on screen and showed him squeezing into that space. Commander crawling across the ceiling and then getting to an old window. He smashes it with his elbow, crawls through and then roof to roof to these two terrace streets over and boom! See you later, people. I read the article. Parts of it is true. I was the last to leave. I did. I did preach when I came out, but it was not to cause a distraction of any kind, No. People walk past me all the time. And they cannot hear me or see me. Even with the tambourine, I've been a ghost here for a very long time. But after, because of everything that happened, people wanted to listen to me and I had a message for the people. I did not have a microphone, so I had to shout, raise my voice, and what I said was true. The last shall be first, and the first will be last. That is how it is. That's how it was. <laughs> but you know, I don't bother myself to read all those made-up stories about us anymore. The truth sets us free. This country doesn't want the truth anymore. On the mountain, in the valley, on the land. And in the sea, hallelujah, the Lord is my portion in the land of the living. The Lord is good forevermore. The Lord is my portion in the land of the living. My Lord is good forevermore. On the mountain, in the valley, on the land. Catherine Jake Ray's and Elton Fawn and Dara Mortel. Naomi was played by Daniel Vitalis, Jackson by Kwabana Ansa, Kemi by Lyo Christina Akinlude, Penny by Jasmine Hyde, Maggie by Stacey Abelogan, and Derek by Ewan Bailey. The sound design was by Catherine Robinson. The director was John Norton. Siege was a BBC Cymru Wales production for Radio 4. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.